Well, here we are at the end of this eight-week series called A Cross-Shaped Hope. And I want to start the sermon today by telling you where we're going to end the sermon today. I want you to leave this service this morning with a greater hope in your life. I want you to be incredibly encouraged this morning. Sounds good, right? I mean, if I asked who doesn't want to be encouraged, I don't think anybody would raise their hands. No, I'm good. I want you to be profoundly encouraged with the incredible hope that we have. We all need hope. We struggle with personal difficulties. If we went around the room here today, we could ask each one of you how you're doing. And I bet everybody, some point, some way, would have a story to tell of a struggle that's been going on in your life. You know, it's one of the reasons I mentioned earlier the Thanksgiving Eve service. It's one of the reasons I love that service because we get a chance to kind of peel back the veneer of our lives and say, this is what God has been doing. This was really hard. And sometimes we hear testimonies of people still in the thick of it. Sometimes it's testimonies of this was really hard, but look at what God has done. And I want to give him praise and glory. We all have things we're going through and we need hope. We look around our world We need hope for things that are going on in our world. People are upset, frustrated, bitter, contentious. There's so much going on in this world. And we need hope to know that this is not all there is. We struggle, some of us, with maybe past guilt or shame or anxiety over situations in our lives. Sometimes we live with not much expectation of things getting better. And we need hope. I think all of us, if we are really honest with ourselves, are saying, I'm crying out for something to hold on to, to give me hope. So that's what I want to do today. I want to encourage you and help you to have hope, to have real hope that you feel deep down in the core of your being. To say, this is what I'm holding on to. But here's the thing. If you leave today and all you have is a feeling of hope, feeling better, feeling encouraged, if that's all it is for this moment of this day and you leave feeling just a little bit better, I have not done my job. Because that's not good enough. That's not the hope that we need. What we need is not just a feeling or an experience of hope or or a feeling of encouragement. We need a hope that is rooted in something that is completely unshakable, that can never change and never be taken away from us. Something that we can say, because I know this is true, I therefore know I have hope, and nothing can change that, no matter what I go through. Do you want that kind of hope? That's the kind of hope we need. And the only way to get that is to understand a hope that is anchored in the cross of Jesus Christ. And I know people come to church saying, I want to be encouraged, I want to feel better, and I, I hope you do. But if you leave encouraged and feeling better without your hope being rooted in, focused in, and shaped by the cross of Jesus Christ, then I think that what we've done here hasn't really mattered. We need something more than just feeling a little bit better. 
So that's what we're looking at today. What does it mean to have a hope that is shaped by the cross of Jesus Christ? Now, brief review, in case you haven't been here, we've been in the series on the cross changes everything. And we looked at the, in the first sermon on Paul's statement, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2, where he told the church, when I was with you, I resolved to know nothing except Jesus and him crucified. He said, there's my focus. This is what I want to look at. And we talked about as a church, we can focus on a lot of different things, a lot of good things. You know, we often say we need to be careful. We don't get distracted by bad things, but sometimes you can also get distracted by good things. When you take a good thing and make it the main thing, it becomes a distraction. So we said, how do we keep our focus on the cross of Jesus Christ so that everything else finds its priority under that focus? We looked at what we learn about the cross, what we learn about ourselves. We are sinners, but we're created in the image of God and he loves us. And he has in history provided for us salvation through his son, Jesus Christ. We looked at what we learn about God, God of mercy and grace, but also a God of judgment. It's why the cross was necessary. Judgment had to happen on sin in order for us to be saved. And so Jesus took our place. In fact, that's what we looked at the following week. He is our substitute on the cross. Was our cross, our punishment. The Son of God, Jesus Christ, died in our place. We then looked at the change and the difference this makes. What does it mean to live as cross-changed people? What does it mean to be a cross-shaped church? And then last week we looked at cross-shaped mission. How does this impact our goals in life, and what we're supposed to be living for, and how we live out this thing called the Great Commission. We're going to look at that again later on. And so today, at the conclusion of this series, I want to look at hope. What does it mean to have a cross-shaped hope? And to understand this, I want to start with and just put some words in front of us from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that he spoke on the cross moments before he died. In John chapter 19, verse 30, Jesus has been on the cross for several hours. He has suffered greatly. He has suffered something that he did not deserve. He was holy and righteous and did not deserve to be condemned, but he chose this for us. John 19, verse 30 says this, Jesus said, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head And gave up his spirit. Jesus said it is finished. The son of God on the cross understood something had been accomplished. Something necessary had been done. And he declares both as our savior dying in our place. But also as our God and our judge. As the perfect connection of those two things. Jesus Christ declares it is finished. And what I want us to understand today is how our hope is rooted in the truth that when Jesus died on the cross, something was finished, complete, accomplished. And this is the source of our hope. It's the hope that I want us to look at today. Hope for our past And some of the baggage we carry with us from our past. Hope for our present as we look at present situations and struggles we're going through. And hope for our future as we go, where in the world is our life going and where is this world going? 
I want us to be able to bring all those things into perspective under the banner of Jesus's words on the cross. It is finished. It's finished. So let's talk about past hope. We need, and I don't mean like your past hope. That's as I wrote this, I was like, well, that could go either way. Couldn't it? I don't mean it that way. I mean, hope for our past. We need hope for our past. We all have baggage that we carry with us. Sometimes it's guilt over things we've done. So often I have people come to me, Pastor Dave, you don't know what I've done. You don't know who I used to be. And if you did, you wouldn't, you wouldn't accept me. You, you wouldn't appreciate it. And I think, number one, I hope that's not true. Because I hope that I can show the same mercy and grace that, that God has shown to us through Jesus Christ. And, and I can tell that person with absolute certainty, God does know your past. And he absolutely loves you. But we carry this burden. Am I good enough for God? It's almost like we have the secret that if God figured out, we'd be in big trouble. Because that's how we live our lives with other people. Romans chapter 8 verses 1 through 4 says something amazing. And I want you to hear the hope in these verses. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sin, sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Look at that phrase. There is no condemnation. So as we look at our past and we see the skeletons in our closet, we see the things that we've done that we're ashamed of. We feel so guilt-ridden. We say, I can never overcome that. God could never love me because of that. Other people could never love me because of that. We need to come to the truth of God's word that says, because of the cross of Jesus Christ, because of what was finished on the cross of Jesus Christ, there is now no condemnation. Not a little bit. Not like, yeah, God's let that go, but he's still pretty mad at you. There's no condemnation. Think of the hope that gives us as we look at our past. There is no condemnation. Why? And he goes into this detailed description or, or explanation about the law. I'm not going to go into all of this, but basically the law is like God's righteous requirement. And we look at that and say, I've got to live up to this. I've got to live up to this. I can't live up to this. Oh, woe is me. I can't live up to it. And the gospel comes along and says, you can't. You absolutely can't. That's why Jesus died for you. So that through Jesus, all of those requirements of the law and even the ones that we've broken are fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And so God looks at us and he sees the perfect righteousness of his son. That's what it means to be a Christian. He died in our place. We get his righteousness. There is now no condemnation. This is the hope of the cross for our past. All the guilt, all the punishment that we deserve for those things. And it's not like God looks at it and just goes, oh, it's okay, it doesn't matter. No, it matters. It matters and we need to hold on to that because that's why Jesus died on the cross because it does matter, but the punishment has been taken off of us and put on him. 
there is now no condemnation. But you know, sometimes, sometimes as we look at our past, it's not always things we've done. Sometimes it's things others have done to us. Or our upbringing, situations in life that we have no control over. And we just have a a profound sense of shame. We say, this has shaped me. This is my identity. This is who I am and I just can't get over it. And I love 2 Corinthians 5.17. Listen to the hope of the cross. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. Do you see the hope there? Your past is not your ultimate identity. The things that have been done to you and said about you are not your ultimate identity. Your social upbringing or your struggles, they're not your ultimate identity. When you are saved by Jesus Christ, the words of the cross are applied to you. It is finished. Who you were has been replaced by the cross of Jesus Christ. And I love what Charlie said, the adoption into his family. We have a new identity in Jesus Christ. Think of the hope that gives us. I'm not that person. I don't have to be that person. That act, that thing that person did to me, that does not define me. My Savior defines me, and he went to the cross to die in my place. That's hope. The hope that we have from the cross gives us great hope for our past. Because Jesus, who knows all of your guilt, who knows all of your shame, who knows how it influences you and impacts you and causes you doubt, he declared on the cross, it is finished. He's beaten it. He has conquered it. It is finished. That's our hope that we have in the past because of the cross of Jesus Christ. But now we come to our present day. What is the hope that we have in our present because of the cross of Jesus Christ? Some of us are trying to live as Christians in this world. We want to uphold what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. We want to live as best we can righteous lives in in this sinful, messed up world. And I think the longer we are Christians, the longer we understand it's hard. It's hard to be a follower of Christ. It's hard when, when our society doesn't support what we believe in. And the, even it's changing to the point where no longer is it not just supported, but we are condemned for what we believe. We are becoming the outcasts. We are becoming the people that others are looking at and saying, you're crazy. And we're saying, Where, where's the hope, God? I, I trusted in the cross. And it just seems harder at times. We have a lot of fear a lot of anxiety it comes out in our conversations around dinner tables or in the hallway at church. Can you believe what so-and-so is doing? Did you see this on the news? I read this article. I just can't believe it. Do you see what they're doing? I, I call it hand-wringing. Which is, it's like mental or verbal hand-wringing. It's like, I don't know what to do. I'm just so nervous. And we're just wringing our hands. We should be people, those who are saved by Jesus Christ, who have the most amazing hope in the whole world, with never a reason to wring our hands. Not that there aren't difficult situations, but there are never hopeless situations. 
Peter writes this in his letter, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. So that's taken that idea that Paul talked about, this new birth. Jesus talked to Nicodemus, you have to be born again. So it's this new life, but now Peter brings it into the present, into a living hope. That's hope that is not just, oh yeah, that's great, that happened in the past. It's ongoing hope that is alive for us today because Jesus not only died on the cross, but he rose from the dead. So we have a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. He's writing here to struggling, often persecuted Christians who are struggling to live out their their faith in a world that doesn't believe in what they believe in and, and looks at them and mocks them and doubts them and questions them. I think we can identify with that. And he tells them, look, here's what you need to know. You have a living hope because of the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ that nothing can take away. Because it's a hope that we cannot be separated from the cross of Jesus. When you are saved, the pronouncement, it is finished, is put on all of your sin, all of your guilt, and all of your shame. Nothing can take that away. And and the, the statement, it is finished, means also that God looked at human history that was going down the wrong path, going into absolute chaos and death and social struggle and personal struggles and political struggles. And God didn't just say, well, I tried. God reached into history and he grabbed hold of humanity. He said, I'm going to give you a way back. I'm not letting you go. And this sense of being completely out of control And purposelessness, it is finished. And he stuck the cross in human history and he said, look here, I have never let you go and I never will. This world is never out of control. God is sovereign. He is providing a way for people to be saved and he has an end for all of history that he's leading all things to. We have a present Hope, a hope that is secure. It's not a hope that we look around the world right now and go, well, I see hope here and I see hope here. Sometimes we do, like things are good occasionally. But we need to look beyond our situations because I see so many Christians, oh, God is just blessing me and everything's just great. And I, I love Jesus and everything's so wonderful. And then they hit that hard patch in life. I don't know if I believe in God anymore. I just don't know if I can, I can trust him. I get it. I've been there. Why would he do this? Why would he allow this? I get it. I think we've all been there in some way. But the hope that we have looks beyond the situation. And it says that it's a hope that is secure, kept in heaven for us, who through faith are shielded by God's power. Our hope does not depend on our situations. We've got to look beyond. It's a cross-shaped hope. Jesus died, rose again, and he's coming back. 
And the end of history has already been written. I'm getting ahead of myself. That's future. We'll get there. (laughs) The truth of the statement, it is finished, that Jesus said on the cross means that no matter how bad things get in this world, no matter how out of control it seems, the cross of Jesus has won. He is victorious over these things that cause us to wring our hands. We have a present hope. But we also, as we have a present hope, we also have to understand it gives us a present purpose. And we talked about this last week with the the mission that we have, a cross-shaped mission. But I also want to link this to our hope. In Titus chapter 2, verses 11 to 14, Paul writes, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. It's hard to be a Christian. It's hard. Because as Paul's writing here in Titus, he's saying... We are called to live differently than this world. We are called to say no to things that the world says yes to. And that's hard. That makes us weird. People look at us and they go, that's strange. Why would you believe that? Or worse, they say that's bad. You're mean and you're wrong because you believe these things. You're judging me. And we're saying, I'm not judging you. But God says this, and God says there is right and there is wrong. So we're called to live differently than this world. But so often we don't, because we struggle. And, and we're pulled into situations at work or, or in society or entertainment or family members, and we, we just kind of want to give in. Like, uh, we're tired of all the pressure. Why? And I think so often it's because we don't hold on to the hope of the cross. We're looking at the situation and say, what can I do to make this feel better? What can I do to just just get out of this situation? Just keep these people happy and get them off my back. And we let go of, no, there's something deeper and more important. The cross has brought hope to my life. Paul understood that these things have to go together. Christ's giving of himself in our place on the cross is linked with the hope that we are called to live with. When we let go of the one, we lose the other. When we let go of the hope that we have in our day-to-day life, we've taken our eyes off the accomplishment of Jesus Christ on the cross. And when we let go of the cross of Jesus Christ and so many people, well-meaning Christians, even churches, are letting go of the cross. We don't want to talk about sin or wrath or judgment or death. We don't want to talk about any of those things. Let's just make people feel better. And we let go of the cross. And we strip out the very thing that is the foundation and bedrock of our hope. And so we help people to feel better for a little while. And then the waves of reality come crashing back in. 
and we have nothing to hold on to. We've got to keep linked together our present hope in this world and our trust in the cross of Jesus Christ and his declaration, it is finished. I love the way Paul introduces himself in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1. I hope I could be more like this. He says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, and that's a technical term. Jesus had chosen him as a, a sent one to the Gentiles. That's not the part I want to look at. It says, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the command of God, our Savior, and of Christ Jesus, our hope. Paul had a mission. He had a very specific mission to take the gospel into the non-Jewish world. Jesus had commissioned him for that. He was then sent out by churches for that purpose. And it, it was just chaos and hardship so often for Paul. And yet, you and I, if you're not Jewish today, and I'm guessing most of us aren't, you and I are here today because of the mission of the Apostle Paul. Because the gospel went out and God used him and the power of the cross went through that message of the gospel and Gentiles, people that had no business being loved by God, we were the outcasts and God said, through my son's death on the cross, you are my people. And and what was it that allowed Paul to keep going in what looked like such a hopeless, impossible mission? He says it right here. By the command of God our Savior and Jesus or Christ Jesus our hope. I imagine the Apostle Paul waking up in the morning going, Oh man, I gotta go back into that city where they threw stones at me yesterday. And and even my Jewish brothers and sisters, like they cast me out of the synagogue and they don't want to hear it, and they're calling me a heretic. And I hear that the governor's mad at me, and the city magistrate wants to arrest me. And I just wonder, like, what, what enabled him to roll out of bed and put a foot on the floor and then one foot in front of the other right back into that city? And I think it's what we see right here. Hope. Hope anchored in and rooted in the cross of Jesus Christ. When Christ declared, it is finished. It means that the cross is the hope that our trust in Christ, our obedience to Christ, and even our mission in Christ to this world are never in vain. There's hope. Which leads to the next part of our present hope. Do you want to change the world? Because I do. Day by day I look and I say something's got to change. I remember the phrase of one writer, I think it was Malcolm Muggeridge, in a newspaper put out an essay contest. What's the problem with this world? And people wrote long-winded philosophical essays. He responded very simply. You asked what is the problem with the world? Dear sirs, I am sincerely, and he signed his name. Because he understood that the problem of the world is not ultimately with systems and politics. Yes, there's problems there, absolutely. But they're made up of people. And the problem's in here. And it's not just those people out there. 
good thing they're not in here. They really mess everything up. And we sit here as good Christians, so glad they're out there. No, no, the problem's right here. In me. And in you. So if we want to change the world, we've got to change people. Okay, so let's go out. And let's get some signs. And yet yell and scream at people. We'll take the biggest, most old leather-bound Bible and just swing it in the air and whack people over the head. And we will show them Jesus Christ and we will change them. It doesn't work. In fact, it's the opposite. They run away and they pull their friends and say, see, I told you so. I want nothing to do with that God. But God has given us a mission. After the cross and the resurrection, right before he ascends into heaven, Jesus says this to his disciples, and I believe to all of us. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And like Paul, we get up in the morning and say, Jesus, I can't do that. Choose somebody else. Jesus, have have you seen the world? Because it's changed a little bit. It's pretty bad now. Do Do you see the hope in this passage? It starts with, Jesus has all authority. That's great. Anybody can claim that. Yeah, but he died on the cross and rose from the dead. Like that carries some weight. He has all authority over heaven and earth and life and death and created beings and angelic beings. He has all authority. And he says, I have all authority. Then he gives us a mission. And at the end he says, and I will be with you. See, a cross-shaped hope says that right now, on this seemingly impossible mission to change the world for Jesus Christ through the power of the gospel, the one who died on the cross and declares it is finished, victory over life and death, is the one that is with us every moment. And look, you can't change people in this world. I can't change people in this world. No amount of yelling and throwing Bibles at them or no amount of soft and and loving and warm Christian embraces and work in the world is going to change one individual, but the gospel can and does. And so a cross-shaped hope says, I'm going to go out and point people to the cross of Jesus Christ because that's where there's real hope. Christ's declaration on the cross, it is finished, means that we have real hope in the dark situations of our life and our world. We have real hope to live for Jesus Christ when it doesn't make sense in this world. And we have real hope on our mission for Jesus Christ when it seems impossible. We have the present hope of the cross. But we also have a future hope. Jesus' last words on the cross, it is finished, are a declaration that everything he had done, everything that was necessary for our salvation is accomplished. The price 
has been paid and he has died in our place to save us from our sins. Let's look back at Romans chapter 8 that we started with earlier. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. Have you ever had people say, how can you really know that you're saved? Or maybe you thought that. I can't really know. I mean, I hope one day when I get to heaven and I stand before the Lord, like my good deeds will outweigh my bad deeds. I hope, I hope. And that's what we mean by hope. It's like wishful thinking, but I don't really know. That's not a biblical hope. That's like playing the lottery with the eternity of your soul. Plus, let me just tell you, if that's the way it really works, that God will take our bad deeds and our good deeds and weigh them against each other, and only the good people will get into heaven, we're all going to hell. The Bible is very clear. There's no one righteous. No one. Not the most righteous person you can think of throughout history, unless it's Jesus Christ. No one is righteous enough to get into heaven. All of our righteousness are like filthy rags before the Lord, the Bible says. But how can we take that and the promise of Romans 8 and it says there is no condemnation. What Romans 8 is saying is that right now we can live in the truth that God does not condemn us. But also, here's the future hope. I know that on the day that Jesus Christ comes back and I stand before my God, my judge who is perfect in holiness and righteousness, I know there is no condemnation. I know How can you know? How can you be that good? I can't. How can you know? Because Jesus Christ finished it on the cross. And I can look into the future and say, I have hope because I know there will be no condemnation. Hebrews 9.27 says, just after people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment. We all will face judgment. I said I wanted you to be encouraged today. There's an encouragement for you. You're all going to face judgment. All of us. But here's the encouragement. Verse 28. So Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. And he will appear a second time not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. There's future hope. Hope rooted in the cross of Jesus Christ, that we're holding on to in the present, that we can look into the future and say, I know what's going to happen because Jesus died for me. The hope of the cross for the future means we know where we're going. We know what God thinks of us. We know how he will judge us before it even happens because Jesus declared it is finished. And I want to read one last passage. This is probably my favorite passage in all of Scripture. I want you to listen to the hope of this. The Apostle John is given a picture, a a vision of the end of time when Jesus comes back. And he writes this down for us so that we can have a secure and certain hope. And I want you to understand what I'm about to read is because of the cross of Jesus Christ. Revelation chapter 21, verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. 
For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. He will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I'm the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this. And I will be their God and they will be my children. How did we go? From humanity of the Garden of Eden that took the forbidden fruit and God said, you will surely die. And then generation after generation after generation of Adam, it says, and then he died, and then he died, and then he died. And we get to the the New Testament says there's no righteousness, no more holiness. We all deserve death. How do we get from there to this picture in Revelation chapter 21 of the future where there are perfect people living in the perfect presence of God with no shame and no sin and the world is made right and changed? How do we get to the point that everything has been changed? One answer, the cross of Jesus Christ. And if you leave here today and go, wow, pastor said it's all going to work out in the end. That's great. And you don't trust in the cross of Jesus Christ in your life. Then I've done nothing for you. We need to go to the cross. And we need to bow before it and say, I need that. I need my savior to die in my place because that's what I deserve. That's the starting point of the hope of the cross. I need that. And he took my place and I'm trusting in that, that the son of God died in my place. And he rose from the dead, promising eternal life to all who believe. And I accept that. I am trusting in that and I am believing in that. That is the start of the cross changing everything. It's not, hey, you better live a better life. It's not, hey, this world needs you and you got to fix up this world and let's make everything perfect and better. It starts with the cross. And when we don't start there, we've lost everything else. The cross has changed everything. The cross has changed everything for history. It has changed everything for humanity. It has set up this amazing thing called the church that we get to be a part of. It gives us a mission and a purpose in this world. But let me ask you this. Are you changed by the cross of Jesus Christ? And if your answer to that is no, I just want to encourage you today. There is a hope that you're missing out on. 
There is a certainty and a security of your future that you can't have apart from the cross of Jesus Christ. And and I want you, as I said earlier, I want you to leave today with a sense of hope, overwhelming hope that makes you go out and tell everybody, I can't believe this is true. Let me tell you about Jesus. I want that hope in each one of our lives because I believe that hope will change the world as the gospel just overflows from us. So I want to encourage you today. I want to offer you that hope. You need to accept that Jesus Christ is your Savior and He died in your place. Let Him redefine who you are. Redefine your past and your present and your future. Give your life to Jesus. Now some of you would have said, yes, I'm I'm trusting in that. I've trusted in the cross. I want to challenge you and me too. Let's look at our life today. Do we see the hope? Or are we wringing our hands? Because if we're struggling for hope and we're wringing our hands, might I challenge you but also encourage you, go back to the cross and say, what has God done for you on the cross? Now look at the world through that lens. Let's be changed by the cross of Jesus Christ. Because the cross has changed everything. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, We want hope. We desperately need hope. And we spend so much energy in our life and in our world chasing after hope. Trying to find hope in situations and feelings only to find it slip through our hands and blow away. And yet, God, the cross of Jesus Christ has changed everything. And the payment for our sin is finished on the cross. The overcoming of our past shame and guilt is finished on the cross. Our sense of being out of control in the present is finished on the cross. We have a new identity and a new purpose. Our doubt And our concern for the future is finished on the cross. We know where this world is heading. And we know the path from here to there is tough. But you are in control of all of it. And you have never let this world go. And you never will. And God, I pray as those who trust in Jesus as our Savior... May we be the most hope-filled people in this world. May it overflow in everything that we do, and how we treat people, and how we talk about the news, and how we share with our neighbors, and how we interact with one another. To be able to know to the core of our being, the cross really does change everything. And God, I pray that when people look at us, they come to the service or they hear us online or they see us out in in our day-to-day lives and they say, why are they different? They seem so hopeful. Father, I pray that we could point them to the cross of Jesus Christ that truly changes everything. In the powerful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.